Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Matt Dias. Matt is an iOS technical lead at Zipcar, as well as the founder of Learn Swift Boston. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Garrick. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. How's it going? What are you up to? Not too bad. I'm, I'm having a bit of a lazy Sunday where I'm sort of taking care of all the chores I skipped during the week. Oh, yeah. Lazy Sundays are the best. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, that's what I do. I just record, you know, I record on Sundays and then I just relax for the rest of the day. It's a right. good way to, Yeah, it's, it's important. Good. It's important to relax after the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to get back onto the computer, though, and like start messing around with new projects and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, it's good to just catch some sun, maybe, or some, some fresh air and just chill. <laughs> Unfortunately, not here this weekend. It's uh, overcast and a little drizzly. Yeah, okay. So I think I've been to Boston, let's see, one time, maybe twice. And I've, I don't think I've, the last time I was there, it was just for like a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually made it like a little video about it. It's on my YouTube like a long time ago. I was there for like maybe 12 hours. I went there, saw a concert, went to like a club called The Enormous Room. I don't know that one. It's like over by all those colleges, I guess. Okay. And um, I went to this club because this like DJ invited me and I fell asleep at the club <laughs> and I woke up and it was just me and him. I was on a bench. He was on a bench. And then I left. I like hopped on a train, um, like got on a bus and went back to Washington, D.C. because I was like par- participating in this program. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That was my one night in Boston. Did you uh, have a good experience otherwise, apart from falling asleep? Yeah, I saw uh, the Decemberists at the okay, Orpheum. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the Orpheum Theater. Oh, right on. That's a yeah. great place. Yeah, it was cool. All right, so you, you live in Boston, right? Uh, I live in a town next to Boston, but yeah, close enough. Okay, and you work at Zipcar. Are they based in Boston? They are. They're out of uh, the Fort Point area of Boston. Okay, for some reason, I thought it was based in L.A. I have no idea why. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah, so okay, so it's based in Boston. That's cool. It's like based near Boston, you said. No, they're, they're in Boston. So they're in the Seaport slash Fort Point slash Innovation Center. Oh, cool. Or Innovation District, I guess they're calling it now. Uh, it's got a bunch of names from over the years. It's basically just South Boston. Are there a lot of tech companies over there in that area? It's growing. Um, the The tech industry really came uh, hard into the Kendall Square area, which is in Cambridge. Um, and then they ran out of space there, so they started looking for what was cheap. And at the time, uh, that part of South Boston was just a bunch of uh, fishing warehouses. So, okay. you know, right it's on. pretty easy to turn warehouses into office space, I guess. And so now a lot of tech companies are down there. Are you from Boston? You grew up in Boston? or I'm from Central Mass., um, so, okay. you know, for anyone that knows Massachusetts, I'm from the Worcester area. So you're from Massachusetts. Yep. Okay, cool. Right on. So what do you do exactly at Zipcar? You're an iOS technical lead or the tech iOS um, technical yeah, lead? Yeah, I'm, I'm the tech lead for the iOS team. Okay. What does that mean exactly? Is that like a lead developer, like a senior developer? Like what does that technical word mean? It's a lot of things at Zipcar. Um, you, you are sort of the lead developer, um, but I also spend a, l- a little bit of time doing like project management. So I'm, I'm the guy that goes to the meetings. I'm, I'm the voice of the team when someone needs to have a, a technical question answered. Um, and that includes with, within my own team too. So, you know, if the developers are sort of stuck on, on uh, an idea or they're not sure what 
um, patterns to use. They'll come use me as that sort of dividing, a deciding voice. Awesome. How long have you been doing iOS for? Um, I think I'm coming up on four years. Oh, wow. Awesome. So did you start with Objective-C or Swift? I was Objective-C, yeah. I, I started nice. before Swift was a thing. Nice. When did you start at Zipcar? Uh, a little over two years ago now. Oh, wow. Where, did you start as a technical lead? No. So I, I was a senior engineer, um, and uh, but the lead left, and, and I was there, so they, they made me the lead. Wow. Congratulations. Was that Thank recent? Uh, I think I've been doing it a little over a year. Awesome. That's cool, man. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank really you. rad. Okay, so I want to start um, sort of at the beginning. Uh, you're doing iOS now. You're technically the Zipcar. Mm-hmm. You're also the founder of Learn Swift Boston, which I really want to get into later. Absolutely. Um, but take us to the beginning. Like, where did you – do you remember, like, the first time you started programming or, like, your first memory of programming? Yeah, I think it was high school, maybe like sophomore year. We had, uh, it was either a basic or a visual basic class is sort of like our computer requirement. Okay. Um, So, you know, it's like, you know, we're we're kids, so it wasn't anything too high level, too difficult. Sort of put some text on the screen, put a button here, put a button there. And do you remember, was it like a required class or was it just like a... Was it one day or was it like, was that what the class was about? That was the class. So we, I think starting like seventh or eighth grade, we always had a computer class each semester. Um, Usually it was like typography, you know, making sure you're not looking at your hands while you're typing. Um, I remember that one. It was a painful one for me. I'm still not the best at it. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, after a while they started getting a little bit more um, advanced with it. So the basic class was definitely the first step. Um, and then I ended up taking a, a web design, so like an HTML, CSS class. So it sounds like your school had required program or not uh, not programming, but computer-related classes. Yeah, yeah. So anything from, from typing to um, that architectural design program that was really popular back in the 2000s, early 2000s. I don't know that one. What's uh, that one? CAD, AutoCAD. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, so you had to take that? Yeah, that was a required class. Did you go to like a technical school or something? No, I just I went to the regional high school for my town. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I don't think we had anything like that. But yeah, I don't know, maybe Boston is like a really advanced state or something. Um, we do. We have a very good uh, education program in, in Massachusetts, so it might have been that. I don't really know. So you said you started with basic, or you remember doing some visual basic or basic? One of the two. I, I mixed them up terribly. <laughs> so do you remember like what you did and like what, what you felt like while you were doing it, or was it more just like you kind of did it and you didn't really have like a, uh, a strong memory of that? Yeah, I, I didn't like school a whole lot, so yeah. I, I kind of found it to be a chore and kind of boring. I didn't really care. I wanted to to leave and go skateboarding or play music with my friends. So anything during that school time period was just like the worst thing in the world to me. Nice. So you grew up skateboarding too? Yeah. 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 Me too. Right on. I didn't play music until like after I was 18. Hmm. Um, But yeah, definitely like grew up skateboarding and not really caring so much about school. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was important. Yeah. For me, it was, I I didn't like someone telling me what to learn, like what was important. Um, but, you know, now now that I've got old, a little bit older, a little bit more mature, like I realized the importance of learning and actually paying attention in school. So so at what point do you remember uh, 
like taking a was it like when did you realize you enjoyed programming like or I assume you enjoy programming like at what point did you realize that I don't think it was until midway through college to be honest with you um okay. so I you know I, I took that that html class um and I, I made a few websites. I actually I made my dad's side business website for him as part nice. of like the, the the final project for that class. Um, and I had fun doing that, and I had fun making websites. But I didn't really think of it as programming. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until like you know midway through college when I started making side programs and applications that I started to actually have fun and realized that like programming can be fun. It's not just a job. So. How did you end up making like the website for your dad? Like, were you already program programming at the time, or was he like, "Hey, I need a website," and you were like, "Let me figure it out"? Or yeah, it was that that high school HTML class um, for a final project. They kind of wanted you to do like a all about me website. And oh, okay, I didn't find that interesting. <laughs> and at the same time, my dad was trying to get into uh, a little side business, and and. You know, I went to the teacher. I said, hey, my dad needs a website. You need me to make a website. Can I just do this as my final project instead of talking about myself? Nice. And uh, she was very open to the idea. So so did you, from that, did you decide, like, you enjoyed it and you're going to study it in college? Or how did you end up studying it in college? <laughs> I ended up studying it in college because I failed out of my chem major the first semester. Ah. Um, so I called my mom, you know, just completely distraught, having no idea what I'm supposed to do. Um, and, and she said, you know, you're really good with computers. You made your dad's website. You made these other websites. Why don't you go into computers? And, you know, I thought about it for a couple of days and then I went to my advisor and switched majors. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, it's really important when, especially when we're in those moments of just kind of helplessness or feeling lost or despair <laughs> yeah. that we have people around us to, you know, listen to us and help guide us. So for you at that, in that moment, it was like, it was your mom's like, dude, it's all good. You know, like you could do this. Right. And sometimes we just need someone to tell us like to do something and to give us an idea. Like, so for me, I had a professor that told me to go into political science mm -hmm. for better or for worse. Like that's what I did. I'm here now and I, you know, I like where I am. So thank you, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, it's important uh, to like seek out and surround yourself by people with people that like support you and uh, well, can guide I you. I think it's good to be open to things too. You know, no one ever knows what they're going to end up wanting to do. And so you just got to try a bunch of different things and, and eventually you'll find the thing that's for you. That's a really good point. So when your mom said, why don't you study pr uh, programming or, or, you know, change your major to programming, did you think like, okay, I'm going to change my uh, major to programming. That means I'm going to be a developer or what was your thought process there? Uh, my thought process was really just, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Um, yeah, you know, because you're paying all this money to go to college, and I basically was told you're you're not doing good enough at what you thought your your life was going to be. Um, so I, I was just ready to latch onto anything. And so when I went to the the computer science advisor, I, you know, I said um, I've, I've made a couple of websites, and and that's why I'm here. And he very very bluntly and very very plainly told me programming is way more than just making a couple of websites. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I kind of like brushed that off. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but then, Oh, you wait, know, he was saying that to sort of almost discourage you? Uh, to make sure that I knew what I was getting into. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. Uh, so, you know, the first couple of years were a little bit rough, but. 
Well, I, I think what you're saying about being open to things is really, really important. And that's one thing I mention um, when anyone asks me is like, don't you don't need to put like constraints on yourself. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't say I was going to be a programmer. I just said I was exploring this because I'm interested in it. Right. So, okay, you you're making these websites for your dad or, or a website for your dad. Um, and you're it sounds like you're playing around with HTML and then you switch your major like do you remember what the feeling was when you realized like you enjoyed it and like what was the feeling and why? Um, it was that a sort of like small euphoria because you, you hear that saying where if you, you love your job, you're never going to work a day in your life. Right. Uh, I had never had a job like that. And so to find something that I enjoyed that I could parlay into a career and a paycheck, it was sort of like a, a like deep breath of like, okay, like this is, this is something I can do. This is good. Totally. Yeah. For me, it was the exact same thing. Like, so if you start, if you start to feel like you're enjoying something and you're onto something, like go with that. Right. Right. That, that it means you're onto something if you're enjoying it totally like i mean there are days when i'm sitting behind a computer and i'm dealing with some like old legacy code or something i'm like oh man you know or whatever but most of the time it's just really epic you know right. i'm having fun i'm like solving these problems in my head and i'm just having fun well and what i never really put two and two together is i always liked puzzles i like puzzle games and coding to me is just a gigantic puzzle that you're doing all day every day yeah, totally. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> okay, so you're in college. Uh, what do you do? You just continue with your major? Do you graduate? What do you do? Yeah, so once I switched over to computer science, um, I stuck with that throughout. Uh, I tried a music minor, but I started a little bit too late to, to keep that through. Um, and what I instrument had, did you play? Uh, at the time, guitar. Um, nice. so I, I took a couple of classical guitar, you know, like the nylon string wide body oh, guitar yeah, classes, like Spanish guitar, kind of, yeah. Flamenco. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I took a couple of classes with that music theory and I, I loved it, but, um, with failing out of the first major, I was already on a five year program and to finish the minor, it would have been like six years. And at that point I was just wow. done with school. I wanted to be yeah. out. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to make money. I wanted to live in an apartment. Um, so I, I unfortunately had to drop the major, um, and, and across, uh, the, uh, I guess two senior years that I had, I, I did some co-ops. So, you know, trying to parlay what I had learned in school into actual real life experience. A co-op? What do you mean? Uh, it's kind of like an internship. Oh, okay. Nice. So when you started doing iOS with Objective-C, um, how much programming experience did you have at that point? Like how many years or? Uh, not a ton, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who iOS and Swift is like their first programming really ever. And so, I mean, you know, to hear that like you're, you know, you're a technical lead at a pretty, you know, big company, Zipcar. You know, we have Zipcars all over L.A. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty encouraging. So so tell us about that. Like you're, you went to college and then. To, to becoming, to working at Zipcar as an iOS developer, or actually like starting iOS development, because I'm assuming maybe that was even before Zipcar, like yeah. what was in between? Um, so, I mean, developing for iOS wasn't even really a thing until um, my senior year of college. Like that, that's when they made the first uh, public SDK. Right. So 
back then, a lot of people, and myself included, just kind of brushed it off. It was like, nah, that's nothing important. The web's the way to go. Um, and so one of my, my co-ops was at Staples, um, and uh, I turned that co-op into uh, a full-time a position in uh, the, oh gosh, what's it called? Basically, I worked in, in compliance, so I would... Oh, okay, like um, legal. Kind of. So there's, when you when you deal with people's information and credit card information, you have to... Yeah, like privacy to, stuff. Yeah, so like SOX and PCI. So I monitored the store registers and servers uh, to make sure that we were being compliant as we changed code. Oh, yeah. wow. Interesting. At Staples. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Staples, the big office supply company. Right. Yep. So they're wow. they're located out here. Um, in Framingham, Massachusetts, which was near my hometown. So it was pretty easy to to jump over there when I was still living with my parents. Okay, was that so is that like web or is that back end or what is that? So that was neither. I was just an analyst. Uh, basically, I just read PDF reports all day, every day and, and marked them. Oh. Um, yeah, Ugh. so that, that's Ugh. the correct, yeah, that is the right sound. Um, <laughs> and so I ended up writing a, a small Java application that automated parts of that. Nice. Um, and I sort of went to my boss and I said, you know, look at this application I wrote. We, there's a web opening on the back end team. Like, can I go? <laughs> like, am I done here? You know? Yeah. Um, and so he was very encouraging. He said, yeah, you know, I want to see you grow out of this position. So this is perfect. Take your opportunity. Awesome. Um, and so at that time, they were opening an office in Kendall Square, that, that place where all the te- tech companies went. Um, and that's where my first programming job was. Um, and this was out of college? Were you still in college? Or? I'm out of college at this point. Um, nice. How yeah. did you? How long did you work there for? I was at Staples for six and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you had six and a half years of programming experience before you joined Zipcar. No, no. Three of those years was doing the analyst thing. Oh, right. Okay, okay. So you had at least three years of programming experience before you started iOS, or? Yeah, so I did about a year on the, the web team, um, coding in Java. Nice. And okay. that that office in, in Cambridge, they, they decided to turn into the mobile innovation office instead of just the general innovation office. Okay. Uh, so my manager came to me and he said, you know, you've, you've got two options. You can go back to the home office and continue to be a web developer, or you can join this mobile team. Um, and by that point, I'd sold my car, so going back to the home office was not an option. So I you know, reluctantly decided to learn iOS and Objective-C. So, but you had Java experience. Was Android not a thing yet, or...? They didn't have an Android team at that point. Um, okay. They had outsourced both of their apps and decided that iOS was going to be the first one that they brought in-house. Okay, so that your your coworker, your boss comes up to you and says, "Hey, do you want to join the mobile team?" Mm-hmm. At that point, how many years of uh, like programming, like professional programming experience did you have? Only about a year. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool, man. So, and then you just he knew you didn't really have iOS experience or mobile experience, and you just said, "I'm going to learn," and you just learned, or what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I ended up going to my director and saying exactly that: of I have no idea what I'm doing, but if you want me to do that, I you know, I'll learn. Figure it out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what did you, what did he say and what did you do? Uh, he said, you know, it's going to be tough, but we need people. Um, so I said, all right. Um, and I ran out and I got, um, the, the big nerd ranch, uh, book yep. for objective C. Yep. Uh, and just fumbled and I, I 
couldn't even tell you how I got anything to work for that first couple of months. But eventually, so did you, you learned on the job or did they have you like take a couple of weeks off or hundred percent on the job? Yeah. Uh, and were there other iOS developers around you or were you the only one? So they had hired, um, one guy and promoted another guy. So it was a two person team when I joined and another one of the backend web guys came with me. So we had a, a four person team for a little bit. Wow. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you're on the job, you're kind of thrown in just in the mix of everything. What did you do to survive? How did you, <laughs> how did you make it happen? I, I panicked a lot. Um, and then I asked a lot of questions. Uh, I nice. had a really, really great set of people I worked with where no one was afraid to say, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and no one made fun of you for that. No one, like they helped you, you know, it was a great learning growing experience. So how long did you do that? How long were you at the Staples mobile team? Uh, around a year and a half, two years. Okay, so that's where you really sort of, what do they say, build up your chops or hone yeah. your craft? Yeah, that's that's where I, I learned how to, like, that's where I learned Coco. You know, that's yeah. that's where I learned how to make an app, what, what matters when you're making an app. Yeah, wow. What was the process like at Staples? Um, was it... Like, did you guys, was it really just making an app or did you guys focus on like continuous integration and continuous delivery and all that kind of stuff too, like about the process? Um, around about that time, Agile was starting to come to, to Staples. Right. And so we were the first Agile team. And so oh wow, we forewent all CI, which is now brings shivers to my spine. <laughs> um, the fact that you uh, did not do CI. Yeah, we had okay. zero tests in, in the two uh -huh. apps that I helped make. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we would just, we so we did sprints. Um, I yeah. think we did one week sprints. So Monday we'd come in, define the sprint, get the stories. We'd work for three days. And then Fridays we'd do the demo and the retro. That's a very similar situation uh, with me at, at Farmers. Like our team is one of the first like agile teams to bring you know we're bringing agile to farmers it's really cool it's really interesting to see that like other companies have gone through it yeah. were, were you guys successful at uh, at staples um I, like, i'd like to think so cool awesome like you know with bringing agile to the rest of the company uh i don't know i didn't I actually didn't stay long enough to find out how it went with the other teams yeah but that's a that's a good amount of time you stayed there so that's like three years or you, you know that you were doing like a well, you said six years total, but three years you were doing programming-related stuff? Yep. That's awesome. So I talked to some people, you know, out in the world about, like, you know, I'm working at Farmers and, um, like, you know, what's it like to go from a company like Farmers, like a kind of non-tech company, to then maybe going to a tech company. And um, some people say, like, oh, you know, you shouldn't stay at a company like that for too long. What was your experience, um, you know, your, you decided at some point, like, I want to get a job somewhere else. You had six years at, at Staples. Like, what was your experience like to then eventually get hired? Did you go straight to Zipcar? Or? Uh, I, I interviewed around a bit, but I did go from Staples to Zipcar, yeah. So, like, what was your experience? Did people ask, like, why were you at Staples for so long and things like that? Um, I did get asked that a few times. More often than not, people were very impressed that I was there for so long. Because um, there is that that culture that you should only work a job for a year or two and then go on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of did that, but I did it within the same company because, you know, Staples is a huge place with 
plenty of jobs. And if I was interested in marketing, I could get a marketing job instead of a programming job. So what, what was like, what was going through your mind at the time? Like, why did you decide, okay, I, I want to leave Staples. I want to find like another job somewhere. What was sort of the circumstances? Um, so when I joined the iOS team, it was to make the first iPad app for Staples. Uh, so we made that, we added a couple of features and then myself and two, three senior guys were pulled aside to make, uh, the iPhone app, which at the time was when Apple pay came out. So it was like a very, very hush hush project. Um, yeah, we, we turned out the app in about a month of us working from home. Um, so, you know, it was like really, really intense, like extreme coding, like going hard. Um, and then we had the app, we had the Apple pay in it. It was great. And then I, I sort of sat there and thought to myself, okay, well, what's next? Um, I can, you know, like there's, there's not too much you can do with a, an app, like the one that we had built. Like, you know, you can buy the paper and that's enough. Right. Um, so I sort of thought about like, what's that next move? Um, do I stay here? Do I add the couple of features that they have lined up? Or do I try something different? And after a while of thinking about it, I decided to try something different. What was the hardest part of making that decision? Uh, leaving friends that I had made over the six years. Um, I had a lot of really, really good friends working at that company that you know I still talk to. Um, but it was weird to say, hey, I'm done hanging out with you every day. I'm, I'm done having lunch with you. Um, and then my, my sister works there too. So it was a little bit weird to say, hey, used to have lunch with you, but now not anymore. How did you deal with that? Uh, I don't know. You just kind of like move through it. I, yeah. I knew at that point it was time to be selfish and do something for me, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was sort of on to the next thing. How long did it take um, between like the time you decided to um, find another job to like actually um, getting the opportunity at uh, Zipcart? Uh, it was pretty quick, uh, maybe a month or so. Nice. The, uh, the recruiter for Zipcar actually approached me instead of the other way around. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did they find you? I have no idea, actually. Maybe LinkedIn? What was the process like? Do you remember? I, I know a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people, they're going through interviewing process, and, and sometimes it can be kind of scary, you know, especially with the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. What was the interview process like for you from that perspective? Um, the one at Zipcar was relatively easy compared to some of the other ones I had. Um, I had a phone screening with the, the old tech lead, uh, made sure that I was legitimate, made sure I had actually done some programming. Uh, they brought me on site and at the time it was only a two person team. So I, I met with both guys. Uh, they sort of quizzed my, uh, iOS objective C and Swift knowledge um, and then it was at that point, it's like a personality fit. So, you know, we, we talked and we made sure that we would all get along if we worked together. And, um, after that, I, I met with the, the hiring manager. So my, my now boss, um, and he was a hundred percent the personality test. So, you know, he, we talked about like, what, what do you do on the weekend? And, um, sort of those, those types of questions, less about my technical prowess and more about just my social in my, in my social, would you want to have a sandwich with me at lunch? That sort of thing. Right, like kind of the culture fit. Right. Yeah, so sometimes it's it's kind of, I guess in that way, it is kind of personal, but 
you know, not everybody gets along or meshes with everybody. And so you can really like do an excellent job, you know, on all your coding challenges and your resume. Uh, yet you need to work on, not work on, but just like be yourself and, right. and, and be able to be comfortable and talk and have a conversation and, and just have a good time with the person that you're interviewing. Obviously, he's still remaining professional, probably. Right. Yeah. My, my boss asks a, a, a great question um, when, you know, we, we've interviewed someone and we're all sitting in a room trying to evaluate whether or not we want to hire them. He says, would you have lunch with this person? You know, programming aside, would you have lunch? What would you talk about? That sort of, and then it makes you think like, okay, they, they got this far because they had a good coding challenge. Now do we actually think that they would fit in and hang out with us? Yeah. And so I wonder, like, what advice could you really give to somebody? Like, go practice, like, having conversations. Like, some people, it's just like they're, you know, some people, I guess that's what you have to do. You do have to practice. I mean, or, or maybe some people can get by just on their skills and, and abilities alone. Yeah. I mean, you know, be yourself is the advice there. If you're a, a more quiet, shy person, that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've got a couple of very, very quiet people on my team that I'd still love to have lunch with. So, yeah. So, you okay. know, as long as you're not arrogant and, and you sort of just, you know, be yourself. Be nice. Yeah. Be yourself. Be nice, too. Exactly. So are you involved in the hiring process at all? And when it comes to like iOS developers, I'm, I'm assuming like we, we, I do a little bit of that, like interviewing people. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming you're involved in that process. Yeah. So I do the, the technical screenings. So, um, I'm, I'm the first person at Zipcar that you talk to. Have you, so you've been there three years now? Two. Two years. Uh, so in that two years, have you had a, uh, the opportunity to interview a good amount of people, a good number of people? I interviewed my entire team, yeah. Wow, awesome. So what are, I mean, obviously not everybody you interviewed gets hired, I assume. Mm -hmm. So like what are sort of some of the things that you're seeing out there in terms of candidates? Uh, uh, like for instance, uh, on our team, uh, we interviewed a few, uh, you know, few people. We ended up hiring one iOS developer. Some some of the candidates we saw, you know, weren't that experienced, um, you know, and we were trying to hire someone a little more experienced. Mm -hmm. Like, I want, I'm just wondering, like, what is the what's the landscape like right now? I mean, it depends on what you're looking for and what you need at the time. Um, there are no shortage of junior developers, right? Because you know, iOS hasn't been uh, around for the longest time, right? Especially Swift, especially Swift, yeah. Um, so it's not too hard to find someone that dabbles, but when you're starting to look for that senior um, sort of pro-level guy, it gets a little bit harder to, to find someone. Um, and it's just patience. you got to sift through the, the resumes and, and just find the right person for the right fit. So if I'm an like a junior sort of beginner, or not, not, not beginner, but like a junior, I'm looking for sort of maybe my first entry-level iOS developer position, what's something I can do to stand out, uh, you know, what's something that that person can do to stand out amongst the crowd uh, in your eyes? Definitely side projects. Um, I look for resumes that have a GitHub URL on it. Uh, and I, I try to go in, check out a project or two, and, and make sure that you write competent code. Even if you're junior, like it doesn't have to be the most beautiful, it doesn't have to be the most difficult thing, but I want to see that you have some experience um, it doesn't even have to be iOS if, if you have web experience. I, I want to make sure that you've done a little bit of programming um, because you, 
there are a lot of similarities and connections you can draw from one platform to the next, but without knowing a little bit about programming, it's, it's kind of hard to bring in like a blank slate person and teach them on the job. So in terms of side projects, <clears throat> would it be anything uh, specific uh, or, or just anything to just show passion or what are your thoughts there? Anything, even if you put your playgrounds up from following that big nerd ranch book, you know, oh, wow. just, I want to see that you, you've committed something and you've, you've put it out for other people to look at. Okay. Awesome. And what are some other things, uh, for this, uh, hypothetical, you know, I mean, this person's out there for sure. They're, they're just like starting out um, or, or, you know, maybe they've been doing it for a year, right? And they're about to start looking for their job. Um, what are some like skills in terms of like iOS development or Swift that you're definitely like you want to check off? Like, okay, this person knows how to do this and this. Mm. That's a good question. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm thinking like NSURL session probably, right? Like table view. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm looking for more of that when I get to the, the technical screening and less okay. about like at a resume level. Okay. Um, at, at a resume level, if you can, if you've put anything in the app store, that's a huge plus. Okay. Um, but, you know, just sort of talking about the frameworks, talking about the technologies you're familiar with, and that gives me a little bit of something to then ask you about in the, the technical screening. Okay, so like maybe have familiarity with one or two specific frameworks. Like for me, it was core location. I had spent like two months just working on core location. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge for Zipcar. Um, if you've used our app, we, we have a lot of maps. So someone that knows core location would be a, like a definite, I want to talk to that person. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important to like share that kind of information because I know there's a lot of people out there that are just starting, uh, you know, now to look uh, look out for their first, you know, entry level position. Uh, one of the things that I struggle with personally is getting the first app um, into the store. <clears throat> I know I've said this before, and one of these days I will. I, <laughs> I almost feel I have like this sort of imposter syndrome. Feeling like I'm an iOS developer, but I haven't put like my own personal app in the store. I've shipped mm -hmm. code through Farmers. Um, what are your thoughts um, if someone comes, you know, a resume comes in front of your desk? Uh, they haven't put an app in the store, but they have like all these other things that they've done. Um, that's that's why I like the GitHub link because I myself start more projects than I finish. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you don't have to have a personal app in the App Store, even. Being like if you had an internship and you were on the team that shipped an app, you know, something something I can go look at and say, okay, this is something I can touch, something I can look at. Um, and if you do want to do a personal app, it's okay to do a calculator. It's okay to do a to-do list. If you search for to-do list in the app store, there's there's hundreds and thousands of those. Right, right. So, you know, it's, it's just sort of showing me as someone that's interested in you that you know a little bit more than just reading a couple of blog posts. Right on. Yeah, totally. I, lo I love that. That's really good. Okay, so I want to get into all the Swift things with you. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Learn Swift Boston for sure and uh, a little bit about like architecture and clean code because I know you're really into that. Yeah. Uh, but before we talk about that, I've been doing this for the last couple episodes and I want to do it again. And that is to, especially since you're um, on the podcast this week, um, I want to tell everyone out there listening that if you are even having the littlest thought that you want to be a center point in your community 
for learning Swift so that you can you can learn, right? You can surround yourself with people who also want to learn and you can teach them and they can teach you and you guys can encourage each other. Hit me up on Twitter or email. Let me know. I want to help you start uh, start a meetup. And um, again, I don't know if, any, if anyone really even wants this. Like if, if anyone wants this energy uh, to be put out into the world, but for some reason, I'm, I'm like being drawn to do that. Uh, and at the very least, I have my meetups here in LA and, uh, you know, we have Learn Swift, but I mean, it's not our meetup or anything like that, but it like we, you know, we're sort of, we're like cousins maybe <laughs> in a way or something. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, so I think that's maybe kind of proof. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I started Learn Swift Boston cause you gave a very similar pitch in like episode two or three. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I didn't. I didn't remember that. I, I totally forgot. Yeah, so okay. I, I did exactly what you suggested. I, I reached out to you and I said, hey, man, how how did you do this? Like, tell me. And, and you helped me yeah, out. I, I definitely remember having the phone call. Yeah. We talked on the phone. Um, I, I guess I forgot that I had been saying those types of things really early on in the podcast. Yeah. So, well, there you go, folks. Um, so, yeah, if you are even having the slightest of, you know, feeling or inclination, do not hesitate. Um just, uh, yeah, hit me up immediately, like right now. Just like message <laughs> me on Twitter right now. It's super easy. You can even direct message me. You should be able to. If you're not able to direct message me, just email me. Um, it doesn't even have to be a long email. Just say hello with a smiley face or no smiley face. All right. So, yeah, I look forward to receiving those messages from you guys and gals. So, Matt, tell us about Learn Swift Boston. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit uh, before. But let's go back to the beginning and uh, like let's talk about like what the reason was. Like so for me, I had been thinking about creating a meetup and just kind of put it off because meetup.com doesn't have a free tier, which is weird to me. And one day I drank too much coffee and <laughs> finally hit the button to subscribe and I created the meetup. What was it for you? Um, for me, it was uh, you hear all these these bloggers and people on Twitter talk about how great the community is. And I, I never really felt that. Um, maybe it was because like, I wasn't putting myself out into it. Um, but I decided to, to sort of uh, go out and find people, see if people had the same struggles that I had. Um, and so uh, round about when I contacted you, I think it was around WWDC last year. Um, and I kind of wanted to, to ride that wave and say, you know, there's all these new features uh, I want to meet some people. Let's talk about these features. And so I, I contacted you. Um, you gave me a couple of tips and tricks for for getting a, a meetup started up, and it's just been great ever since. So you were, I guess, a little different than than me because, like, I was a beginner trying to create a community uh, to sort of be like more of a support network. You were already an experienced I iOS developer, I guess, working at Zipcar, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, what What was the like, can you talk a little bit more about the reason? Like, so for me, uh, at my meetup, I always ask like, the three same questions, you know, like, what's your name? Uh, what's your background? And what's your like evil, selfish reason for being here at the meetup? And it's kind of a joke, but it's serious. It's like, if this, if you can get something from this meetup, if this meetup can serve you, uh, what would you want it to do? And so for me, it was like to meet people who were in the same situation as me. So I didn't feel alone. Mm -hmm. Right. So I felt like, I wasn't like I wasn't abnormal, like a weird person, like changing careers at the age of I don't know, 
30 or something I was. Um, so what was that for you? I, I just kind of wanted to know that other people were going through the same sort of uh, issues that I was making apps. Because um, no matter how long you've been coding for, it, it doesn't go away. You still struggle. Um, and so just sort of talking to other developers, sharing your knowledge, hearing what they have, um, that's that's sort of what I was looking for. And that, that sort of builds that sense of community. Uh, so, you know, it was, for me, it was more wanting to have that experience of the great Swift community that people kept talking about. So at the time, uh, let's say, you know, before you started Learn Swift Boston, what was the scene like uh, where you lived? Were there any iOS meetups? Were there Cocoa Heads? Were there NS Coders? Were there any Swift meetups? Uh, so there is a Cocoa Heads. They, they meet every month. Um, and for a little bit, there was, I think it was called Boston Swift, but that died off. And so there was, the Cocoa Heads is uh, about more than just Swift. It's, it's iOS, it's Mac OS, it's Objective-C. And they're, at least in, in the Boston area, just starting to talk about Swift a little bit more and more. Okay. Uh, but I wanted something that was purely Swift uh, because at that point, Zipcard switched to 100% Swift. And so I really wanted to not so much stop talking about Objective-C, but talk more about Swift. Okay. And so when you, you started the meetup, what was the response like? Uh, for me, I feel like I started a little earlier than you. So I think there was like a lot of new excitement, like fresh excitement with Swift. And so I think I got like over 200 members in like the first like four months or something wow. like that. Yeah. And now uh, Learn Swift LA is at, I think, 800 members. And I have a Swift Coders LA, which is like sort of like the Cocoa Heads, but just for Swift, like more advanced. That mm -hmm. has like, you know, around 200 members. Um, what was the the membership uptake like for you, like just starting when you just started out? Yeah. So you sort of talked about the tiers of meetup. I went for the lower tier that lets you only have 90 people because I wasn't sure if it was going to take or not. Right, you mean like the subscription plan on meetup.com? Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I started it kind of small, and uh, it got to the point, I think, after two or three months where I, I hit that 90 limit, and there was like a waiting list to join. And I, I just said, you know, I'd, people want it. I'll, I'll go to the, high, the higher tier. Um, and so it was a steady growth. Um, started out a little bit slow, but, um, you know, with each each time we held the meetup, we got another set of members and they told their friends. So it sort of spidered out and grew. How long did it take for you to, uh, like when you launched the pod, uh, sorry, <laughs> when you <laughs> launched the meetup to doing your first, um, I was going to say episode, how funny, uh, <laughs> like event, meetup event. Um, I think it took about a month. Um, the only thing that was really stopping it was the location. Uh, I thought I had had a good location lined up and, and last minute they, it fell through. Uh, so I was very lucky to have, uh, one of the members of the, the group contact me and he said that his business would be happy to host and, you know, he sort of got it all started for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very similar situation for me when, uh, we just started out when uh, my meetup started out, uh, it was the exact same thing. Like finding a location is really hard. And so for anyone out there listening, if you have a location, I know, I know I've said this before please reach out to your local meetups and offer your space because uh, really that's one of the main things that it just takes a space. And so once you have a space, you can meet. And once you meet, you can change each other's lives. And so it's, it'd be such a shame if you have a space um, and it's not being used. So 
so that was similar to me. Uh, someone in the group offered up their space and, and we were able to meet. What was your first um, uh, session like? What, what did you guys cover? How many people showed up? Um, I would say maybe 10 to 15 people showed up. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, when, when I asked you how to get it set up, you told me about those three questions that you ask. And so I asked them as well at my meetup. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the first little bit was sort of learning who, who everyone was and, and how much they know. And absolutely no one knew Swift. I think maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe actually maybe one or two people raised their hand for that. Um, but I had a, a good group of uh, former Objective-C, or I guess at the time still Objective-C developers. Um, I had two people that were just out of uh, a Ruby boot camp and they were curious about mobile. And so because it was a little bit, uh, I guess no one really had familiarity with Swift, I, I just went through the basics. Um, I fired up a, a playground and sort of like, you know, here's a, a variable, here's a constant, here's how you make a function, a class, you know, just sort of running through a couple of things. And so did you have that planned out or was your plan sort of find out what, what the audience was like or the members were like and then go from there? Definitely the latter. Um, okay, now cool. now it's a little bit more structured, but for that first one, I had no idea what I was doing. So definitely flying by the seat of my pants. And how how long do your meetups or like how long did that meetup last? Are yours like sort of an hour, two hours, three hours? Uh, we shoot for about two hours. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And so you so that first one, you guys met each other and then you fired up the the playground for maybe about an hour or something like that. Uh, what was the response like? Uh, what did people say? And then how did you feel? Uh, I was terrified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> live coding is not something I had done up until that point. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, sputtering, a lot of uh, blurry vision as I'm quickly hitting the delete key <laughs> trying to find what I'm trying to type <laughs> out. Um, but people loved it. They you know, A lot of people came up to me afterwards, um, were happy with you know the presentation. They said, you know, I, I learned so much just from this little bit. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for organizing everything. Um, and I, I have a couple of people that went to that first meetups that still come to this day. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so yeah, while you're doing it, you're a little nervous, which is totally understandable. Um, but then at the end, people come up to you and thank you. Like, how did that feel? Uh, I am very tough on myself, so I... I was hearing the thank you, the hearing the good jobs and still saying to myself, well, I messed up that one line and Aww. that other line was real hard to get out. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it took a couple hours for me to like sit down and really relax and be like, oh man, they loved it. This is great. I can't wait to the next one. Oh, great. Awesome. So when did you do the next one? Are, like, are you guys doing it a monthly or how do you do it? Yeah, we, we do monthly mostly because the, the space restrictions. Okay. So did you end up doing it the next month? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we've done it every month since that first one. Wow. Yeah. And it's is it? Are we coming up on a year? Uh, I think it will be a year in June, June or July. Wow. And are you the are you leading sessions or are other people starting to lead sessions? It's a mix. Yeah. I for the first couple, it was just me talking, and and I really said, you know, this this meetup's about everyone here. So if you've got a topic that you're interested in talking about, just send me a message and, and I'll make sure that you get in in the next one. And, you know, so now it's it's still every once in a while I have to do one because someone will drop out or not enough people sign up for a month, but it's largely community driven at this point. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So are you still meeting at the same space or did you guys find another place? No, we rotate. Um, so I try not to be at the same place two months in a row just so that people, 
uh, can can have their companies have a chance to say, hey, here here we are, here's what we do, this is what we're about. Um, so, you know, we, we try to keep it moving around, which I think might have a little bit of a negative effect on attendance. But like I said, you know, every every time we go somewhere new, we we add a member or two to the meetup. Right. And so when you say move around, you mean uh, move around to different companies, but do you also mean like move around the city? Or are you going like, like LA is really big. We have like the West side, East side, we have North central, we have South and it's pretty far, you know, like 30 or, or 20 miles or something. Yeah. Um, is, is that what you're sort of doing too? I th- we went to Cambridge twice, but other than that, everything's been within Boston. Okay. So people, they, sh- they're able to, you know, go from one uh, place to the next. Yeah, I, I try to keep it all on um, the red line, if anyone knows about our subway system. The, the red line's where a lot of the tech companies sort of base themselves off of. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so anyone that, or rather anyone that I think would want to come should be able to come because the train is nearby. Yeah, so for me, that was really uh, important. And I have to be honest, I feel like I've been slacking in this department. Uh, when I started the meetup, I wanted to host uh, meetups in Hollywood and downtown, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Service, the the east side, you know, places where, you know, you know everything's happening in Santa Monica. And now I got really busy and, and we started meeting in Santa Monica a lot. And I'm trying to start meeting, you know, again on the east side. Uh, is that kind of the, is that like that for you or is it pretty easy to get around? Cause for instance, somebody on the East side, it's really hard for them to get all the way to Santa Monica. Mm. Um, and so like there is like this kind of need, is it like that in Boston or, uh, Boston's kind of a smaller city. So, um, you can pretty well get anywhere. It might take a little longer. Um, but either public transit or, or taking a, a car or a taxi, you know, you can get most anywhere in like 20 minutes. Okay. And then you said you're, you're going around to the different companies. So are you like, have you met at Zipcar for instance? Yep. Uh, we did two at Zipcar around the holiday season. Okay. And then, so let, let's assume like you're meeting at other, um, you know, pretty established companies. Usually these companies want to attract potential talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, with my, uh, learn Swift LA, we have really experienced developers, but they're learning Swift maybe f- for the first time, or they're not experienced developers. They're just new to programming. They're learning Swift, which maybe doesn't seem that attractive to, you know, companies that want to hire, you know, talent. Mm-hmm. Is it similar for you? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? Um, so, yeah, we have a sort of similar makeup where you have some experienced iOS people that are coming from Objective-C and some people that have never written a line of code in their life and just wanted to see and, and maybe consider a career change. Um, and so what I do with the meetup is, uh, I always give every, uh, company a chance to sort of pitch themselves at the beginning and, and any job opportunities they have. And I think one or two people might have found a position based on that. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I, I try, it is a, a beginner's, meet up and we do talk a little bit more advanced every once in a while, but it's really geared towards beginners to sort of, um, learn and grow. And I think a lot of companies see the potential in that. And so they, they give people opportunities to do that on site. You know, but you bring up a good point, which I didn't think about, which is, um, like the companies don't have to advertise just their iOS or Swift jobs. Mm -hmm. And so some of these people, some of the members, they might be, you know, experienced with, you know, Java or, or web, you know, lots of experience, but they're coming into Swift. And so 
maybe they might potentially be interested in hire, you know, getting hired for like a web development job that the company would advertise, you know, at the uh, when when they host the meetup. Yeah, think about yeah. That. Most people that have an iOS team will also have an Android team. So if you have Java experience, you can maybe get a foot in the door through a meetup. So I want to wrap up the conversation uh, with the you know with the meetup talk. Um, it, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want it to seem like an advertisement for meetup. I should sure. probably hit up meetup.com and like ask them to sponsor. Or something yeah, man, it's, like, it's worth it. Uh, um, so, but but I want to sort of just wrap it up by uh, talking a little bit about like looking back. You know, you've almost done this for a year. Um, like, how how's it going? Uh, what were like? What are how do you feel about it? Like, looking to the future, what were like some of the struggles like in the past? Um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, I I have a lot of positive memories, and and that's what keeps me doing it every month. Um, the struggles definitely always is the space. Uh, you know, I I just added my second organizer, um, Sean Olszewski. He's been helping me out. Um, so you know, having that second person out there looking for a place to host us is really helpful. Um, and you know, there's a couple of times that I was sick or feeling under the weather, and and having him now be able to go in my place if I'm, you know, I'm just not feeling up to it one night. Cause that, that's the struggle for me is, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm not feeling well. I can't find a space. So sort of having that backup has been nice. Um, and just, you know, meeting a ton of people, uh, helping people learn, helping people understand it's, it's been tremendously fun for me. Yeah. I can definitely, um, sort of attest to like, finding a co-organizer so I've, we've been really fortunate um with learn swift la and swift coders and all that to find like a few people uh who i've probably, probably mentioned before you know steven and uh, ragav like uh, and, and others um to like come in be session leaders be co-organizers and like really take like share the short share the load to take the meet up to the next level and just help even more people and, and do like more awesome things so it's good that you found somebody that's really cool yeah well, I'm really, I don't know, just really happy to finally talk with you. Uh, it's like kind of, you know, we talked that one time almost a year ago. And now here a year later, you're still doing the meetup. You're still going strong. Um, yeah. Like what, so looking back, like lastly, like why do you feel like you're still doing it? Uh, what do you feel like you're providing for the city of Boston? And, and like, why do you keep doing it? Um, so I do, I have a Slack group for the meetup. And so. Oh, perfect. I'm providing in in the moment of the meetup a chance for you to learn. But once that meetup ends, a lot of people communicate with each other over that Slack group. And yeah. so, you know, I, I might be teaching you something tonight, but now I'm available or now this person that gave the presentation is available to answer any question that you have over the course of the next three to four weeks while we wait for the next meetup. So, you know, it, it never stops that night. And it really, it, it, at least for me, has built a community. Yeah, totally. And we have a Slack team too. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, cool. All right. So uh, now I want to talk about like Swift specifically. So you have uh, experience with Objective-C. Swift comes out 2014. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what was that like for you? Were you working at uh, Zipcar at the time? No, or I was at Staples, yeah. And then did you, like, did you guys play around with Swift at all at Staples or? No. So we, I, re I remember the day we were all in a conference room watching WWDC together and they announced Swift 
and everyone in the room was just kind of like, uh, we just got good at <laughs> objective C. What is this? Um, so, you know, a little bit different than, than the usual reaction to it. Uh, but then, uh, I, I didn't start playing with Swift until, uh, maybe a month or two later, I was sitting in Logan airport and waiting for my plane to, to get there. You know, I'm one of those people that shows up really early for a flight. Okay. Um, so I quickly download the, the beta version of Xcode. I, I get the Swift book and I was on a six hour flight out to California to visit a friend. And I spent that entire six hours just learning Swift and playing. And I immediately just loved everything about it. So did you go back to your work and say, hey, like we have to start writing Swift? No, I, at that point, we were kind of getting towards the end of the project. And so it was a little bit too late. We were really baked into the Objective-C part of, of uh, iOS development. Right. So when did you, did, did you start writing Swift professionally at Zipcar? Yep. Okay. When you got to Zipcar, were they already writing Swift? Yeah. So the app was about 50%, uh, or I guess at that point, 80% Objective-C, and they had made the rule of all new code is Swift. Just and anything that you write, Swift, and then if you need to go in to make a big enough change in a class, change that to Swift. So what was like some of the bigger challenges, if you remember any, uh, like when you were just learning Swift, you're coming from Objective-C, like what were some of those challenges that you faced? Uh, it wasn't just me, but the entire team struggled with writing Swift in a Swift way. Right. You know, when you come from Objective-C and you see uh, Cocoa Touch, you still do that like very verbose uh, function name with like three word properties. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we wrote very objective C Swift code, which now when I go back and read just makes me cringe. <laughs> so what did you do? Like, how did you guys, you know, get over those uh, sort of objective C kind of legacy thinking? It, you know, it took time. Um, so something that my team does is a, a little book club. So once a week we, we meet and we all talk about some programming or Swift book that we're reading. So we took a couple Swift books before we really started to understand, like, here's the Swift way to write functions. But, you know, we sort of learned together by reading um, Big Nerd Ranch books, Apple's book, a um, couple other ones. Do you guys still do the book club? Yeah. So you you read programming books. Like I, I don't for some reason I, I it's hard for me to read a programming book. Like I fall yeah. asleep. It's it's a little tough at times, uh, especially when you're doing some of the more beginner topics. You know, those first couple chapters you don't really care too much about. Um, but we're reading um, Advanced Swift now by the Objective CIO guys. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So that one's it's a little bit harder to fall asleep in that one because it's some like really, really, really deep technical stuff that like you got to read that paragraph three or four times to make sure you really understood what was just said. What are you uh, focusing on right now in terms of Swift? Uh, I feel like sometimes, especially now that I'm working full time uh, in Swift, and even for a while there, I was like still doing two point uh, Swift two point three, mm -hmm. even though Swift three was out. Um, you know, and there's so much going on. You have a Swift open source. You have like all these different newsletters and all these people writing all these amazing articles and all these new architecture patterns and all these new open source projects. And there's just like so much going on. Um, what are you focused on right now in terms of like, you know, your Swift learning? What are you really interested in? Um, 
I don't know if I have a focus. I, you know, I, I go to those same great places. Uh, I, I follow um, a lot of people on Twitter, so I, I find their blogs and, and thoughts that way. Um, I also have like an RSS feed that, that gives me a bunch of blog posts. And so I sort of like take in all of the stuff and uh, sort of sift it out to the things that are either important for me and my side projects or my team specifically. So I, I yeah. try to find like a topic that's relevant to a problem we're trying to solve and then yeah. sort of do a little bit of research and then bring the, the idea and the topic to the team of like, hey guys, you know, I, I found uh, the coordinator pattern because Sarush talked about it. Why don't you guys check it out and see if that's something we can use? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, and I actually forgot that. That's something I totally believe in in terms of like that filter. Uh, there's so much stuff out there, but try to just worry about what's useful to you at the time because that's going to be obviously it's going to pay more dividends because it's it's practically useful to you and you'll probably learn more from it because it's specifically relevant like to what you're working on yeah uh, so have you been playing around with the coordinator pattern we're getting ready to um we use a different architecture we're starting to run into some problems where our controllers are starting to know a little bit too much about each other and yeah. so we're, we're looking for solutions, and one of the ones we came up with was the, the coordinator pattern. Yeah, so for those that might not know, coordinator pattern, we're sort of taking out a lot of the transition and navigation and um, sort of decision-making in terms of, like, what view controller to present, when to present it. You're taking that out of your view controller and putting it into another object called a coordinator. That coordinator owns the view controller's and it is also the delegate of those view controllers. And the, the view controller will send a message to the coordinator and say, hey, like, user selected a photo or, uh, you know, user tapped the plus button, you know, and then the coordinator can decide. Uh, we, uh, I started um, playing around with that too. Also learned about it through uh, Sarush, but it was all Objective-C. And uh, only recently now has like Swift sort of examples been coming out. Uh, will Townsend, he talked a lot about it recently. And I did a meetup on it um, recently. Oh, nice. It was really fun. Yeah. And we ended up incorporating it into one flow at Farmers. Um, what are you have, you, have you played around with it at all? Like, have you tried even just like a side project? Uh, I haven't personally, but um, so, you know, again, going back to the Agile stuff we talked about before. Uh, so we do spikes when we want to research something. So I, I made a spike for a couple people on my team to go look at the, the pattern. They made a side project. And now we're at the point where we're going to do a follow-up spike to see how does it actually fit into the real project and is it something that's viable and something that can help us long-term. Oh, right on. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to like be able to to put that into like our project at Farmers. Uh, it's just like a matter of sort of finding the time and kind of doing it in a doing it in sort of a safe way, right. you know, so you're not obviously regret. There's not a lot of regression and and all that yeah yeah that's you know i don't know about other people but they never really covered testing too much in school for me and it wasn't until uh, almost too late in my career that i was like oh man testing is really important and and it, it's because when you need to go do something like this where you're radically changing your architecture that the tests really come in handy to you know sort of save your bacon and prove that everything still works are you guys testing at Zipcar? Yep. We do uh, test-driven development. Oh, awesome. Do you guys do pair programming? We do about 80% pair programming, yeah. Oh, wow. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So anything short of like changing a color or changing some text we pair on. How big is the team of like iOS developers? So we have six developers, seven including myself, uh, and a QA tester that sometimes jumps in and codes. And we just got a, a co-op. Oh, wow. So, man, that's cool. You guys are doing pair programming and test-driven. Are you using um, XE test case yep. or uh, quick, quick and nimble? or No. So we're, we're trying to keep things as native as possible, so we lower the dependencies as the, the language changes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally <laughs> understand what you're saying. Did you guys migrate to uh, Swift 3? Yeah. We, we went through the entire life. So we, we started with Swift 1, then went to, to 2, uh, 2, 3 for a bit, and now we're on 3. Let's talk a little bit about that, um, you know, dependencies. Uh, I think when you're just starting out, um, dependencies, like if you just want to build a project and like get it into the App Store, like have, using like third-party libraries might be you know, better, right? Because mm-hmm. you can just do it really fast. I mean, even um, even when you're not just starting out, you know, we, we use them at, at Zipcar, we use them at Staples because sometimes you just needed to get a feature out and so you go the quickest route. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand... You know, if you're sort of in it for more of the long haul and you want to learn uh, using third-party libraries, maybe not might not be the best, right? Because let's say you're using like Alamo Fire, you're not really learning NSURL session. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Like, let's say like someone comes in uh, to to get hired and they have like all this experience with pods and Cocoa Pods, um, but they might not have experience like doing like native. Um, NSURL session or animation or, um, yeah, things like that. You know, I'm perfectly okay with that because if you have a foundation of how those things work, it's not too far to say, okay, here's how Alamo Fire makes a request. Here's how you do it natively. Right. Um, So, and, and, you know, I I think some dependencies are okay. And I, I think it's important to uh, at least know the topics. So know that pods exist, know that Carthage exists. Um, you don't have to use those. Or if you do, it's totally fine. But sort of having that base understanding is important because, for instance, um, and I don't think this will ever happen, but if Alamo Fire goes away, you still need to know how to make a network call or you need to know how to support Alamo Fire for, for your project. Yeah. I... Uh... I used to think that I was always going to learn everything like the native way and I wouldn't use uh, dependencies. But then sometimes when you use them, they're like really fun to use. So I don't know if you've ever used like Quick and Nimble or if you've ever used like um, a uh, auto, auto layout um, library like cartography or something like that. Like they're really fun to use. But then at the same time, you have this uh, this dependency and maybe you want to you know, maybe you have to wait for them to fix something. Uh, have you guys experienced anything like that? Yeah, um, I tried. I tried Quick and Nimble, um, and I just—I I don't know what about it. It didn't stick with me. I never quite figured out how to get it to work. Um, but you know, we we had one um, package that we used for mocking uh, that OC mock. Uh, we use that now. Or no, no, we use that. We use that in Objective C. Now we use uh, OHTP stubs. Okay. Um, but there was another library that we used for a little bit that we ended up stopped using because we needed to upgrade our project, and they hadn't had the time to upgrade yet. And so we had a long conversation of, okay, 
do we fork and do a pull request and, and try and do the migration ourselves? Do we have time for that? Or do we just switch libraries and find one that's working now? What did you guys do? We <laughs> unfortunately switched libraries. So you had to pull out like all of the, you know, you had to pull out the entire dependency. Was that pretty difficult? Um, no. So it was, it was a one in the testing framework. So it was pretty segregated in the code base to just the test area. Okay. So it was, it was pretty quick and slightly painless to do. But, you know, if it was something and, like Alamo Fire, that's pretty tight into the code base. So hopefully they never go away. And what did you say it was called? OHTPS stubs? OHHTTP stubs. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. So I never heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good tool for for mocking your endpoints. So you feed it a, a JSON fixture, and you say, when I hit this endpoint, I expect a 200 and give me this fixture back for one test. And then the next test, you can say, give me a 500 in this other JSON file to show me what an error would be like in the app. And that is to, if you're like using it, I guess it could be anything, but if you're using NSURL session, you want to mock your endpoint that NSURL session's pointing to. Right, because with testing, you very rarely want to hit the real endpoints. Right. Because um, then, you know, in, in Zipcar's case, I'm, I'm booking cars accidentally if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, hitting, hitting those fake endpoints, it lets you, based on those fixtures, as long as they represent what the server would actually give you, lets you test your code and how it handles what uh, an endpoint would send you. So we talked a little bit uh, about, so we're talking about mocking and testing. Uh, and I think we've mentioned a little bit about like Git um, and, and GitHub, but let's talk about like testing for a sec. Like if, when do you think someone should start learning testing or if someone comes to your, you know, into to, to the interview and they don't have testing experience, like, what are your thoughts? Like, I had really done zero testing yeah. uh, until I started at Farmers. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, like I said, I think I think I had one class in JUnit in college, so no one ever really said how important testing was. So, you know, I it's, it's definite bonus, definite plus in an interview, but if you have little to no experience, that's okay. Um, it's not a terribly difficult thing to teach someone. And then what are you guys doing in terms of source control? So we are fully bought into the Atlassian suite. So we use oh, cool. uh, Bitbucket or Stash, I think it used to be called. And then they have a project management tool too, right? Uh, maybe. Huh. I, can't, I think it was, oh no, no, they have like a chat. It's called HipChat yeah, or something? Yeah, we don't, we use Slack. So that I think that's the only Atlassian product we don't use. Okay. And are you, I mean, we'll get in. Like, did you guys do like a like Git, like really like Git flow, like mm -hmm. how Atlassian even mentions it, like Git flow and yeah, like really so strict. That was one of the first things I did when I joined Zipcar was convert the project to Git flow, and and we've never gone back. Nice. So, what are your thoughts there again, like on someone coming in for for an interview and having, you know, not too much Git experience? Like maybe they only to get like by themselves, like, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they haven't worked on a team or something like that. Um, I, I think that's enough. You know, Xcode makes it very easy to do the basics. So as long as you're committing and, you know, doing, uh, branches, I, I think that's enough to get you started. Okay. Uh, um, you know, we do do things in a certain way. So 
you know, I try to sit down with every uh, new team member and say, you know, here's the lay of the land. Here's how we format our branch names. Here's what a good commit message looks like. But if you mess that up, you know, it's, it's Git. You can rewrite history. So it's not too hard. Okay. So like maybe once you're starting to actually get serious and you're thinking you want to look for a job, you should probably at that point, if you haven't already, start practicing uh, uh, source control, version control with yourself, like in your in your personal projects, with just basic Git. Um, so creating and you know, having a master branch, having a development branch, branching off of develop, like and, and make commits, that just like the basics. Yeah, I mean, even in my side projects, I use Git because I make a lot of mistakes. And so I want to be able to easily uh, change something or revert something, go back to when it was good. So, you know, even, even if you're not looking for a job, just having a little bit of Git experience will make... Uh, developing your own projects so much easier when you get down the road of messing something up. Uh, in my meetups, I usually try, if we're like creating a new project, I usually try to start with source control and, and, and it's like work Git, teaching Git, like as I'm teaching whatever the Swift topic is. Are you doing that as well? or uh, It's something I've considered doing because I'm not sure everyone has Git experience, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. What time do you think is like a good time to, to start to start learning if you haven't already? I don't know. Cause you know, when you're just getting started, there's a lot of things thrown at you. And so yeah. I'm a little bit hesitant to say throw this in there as well. Right. Um, but it does help you, um, as you're trying to figure out, does this work? Does that work? Um, and especially when you do something a little bit longer, you know, it, trying to remember what you did an hour ago, uh, like what, what broke an hour ago? How do I get back there? Uh, it really helps. So I, I would have it be one of the, the first couple of things that you're learning, but you know, definitely nice. like get engrossed with the language, make sure it's something that you, you have fun doing before you start looking at the things that make it easier to do. Right. Right. All right. Cool. Well, Matt, we have come to the end of this wonderful interview. And before we go, I just want to do a couple things. Uh, I recently started doing this rapid fire uh, section. And so I want to do that first. So the first question in the rapid fire is what drives you? Um, I just love making things. So, you know, having something that I can show to someone and say, I did this. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, desktop or laptop? Both. Um, laptop for work. I have a Mac mini that I'm, I use at home. Nice. Standing or sitting? Both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I have a, a Ergotron sit-stand desk at home, and then at work I have a little platform on my desk that I can stand at and then also sit under if I want to sit down for a bit. The Ergotron? Yeah. It's a great, great company with, like, really, really good, comfortable uh, desk stuff. Okay. I'll have to take a look at that. Uh, Git from the command line or the GUI? Again, both. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, I, I use the right tool for the job. So I use a source tree if I'm trying to do something quick and easy, and I use the command line if I've got to get deep into something. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Vim, Emacs, or Nano? I'm going to add Nano from now on because I've been hearing that a lot. I'm definitely a Vim guy. Ooh, do you get pretty, like, crazy with Vim and, like, uh, do, like copying multiple lines and moving them, like entering modal and insert and, and visual. Like I'm pretty basic. I know like insert, I know like DD and uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty basic too. Uh, that's what we used in college. So I never really changed from it. 
Right on. Uh, tests or no tests? It sounds Definitely like you're tests. full on tests. Yeah. Uh, are you also like doing tests in personal projects just for fun or? Uh, I do. I try to as, as best I can. Um, but every once in a while, you just need to get something out. So I, I yeah. get a little bit looser with that rule when I'm doing it for myself. All right, cool. And uh, lastly, with the rapid fire, uh, maybe maybe a couple actually. I'm taking a look at your profile picture. Nice, like almost like sepia tone. Uh, it looks like maybe I don't know. You're in your bedroom. It looks like like a portfolio picture for like a <laughs> like a headshot, like yeah. a like an actor or something. Yeah, I, I, I'm liking this. Thank you, thank you. I, yeah. I realized that the only professional picture I had of myself was from when I was like 20, 21. So <laughs> I decided to, to bring it a little bit more modern. And I did a small nice. photo shoot in, in my bedroom. You were spot on with that. Oh, cool. <laughs> no, but I, I'm looking at your website, which I really like, by the way, Thank even you. though you haven't updated in a while. And I like that photo. It looks like you're at Dub Dub yep, or something. Yep. I was at uh, both 15 and 16. Wow. How is that? Uh, it is very, very uh busy you're, you're going from session to session and just meeting tons of people and it's it's a little overwhelming but it's it's tremendously fun nice yeah i can imagine it being super super overwhelming yeah so i'm looking at your twitter feed and um a couple days ago you're like what and i actually saw this this morning the mystery science <laughs> theater 3000 what is that so it's a it's an old tv show where they would make fun of these really awful b movies and so the movie would be playing in the background and these characters would just be like live critiquing how awful it is and netflix just started having it um so i i'm super pumped because i loved watching that as a kid so that's a recommend definitely definitely recommend Okay, and maybe just one last one because I think it's pretty relevant. Uh, you had retweeted this guy, John Daniel Trask. He said, um, sort of like asking people as a poll, like, when did you start learning to code? Uh, 35% out of almost 6,000 uh, votes said between the ages of 10 and 15. Uh, 20% said uh, 20 plus. Um, I don't know, that's pretty interesting. I was hoping it was going to like skew a little bit more towards the older side. That way I didn't feel like so left out. Mm -hmm. What's uh, like the makeup like, uh, like, um, you know, at your team or like your engineers? Uh, I have a very, very diverse team. Um, I have older people, I have younger people. So, you know, some people, they didn't learn until their twenties and thirties and other people have been doing it since they were kids. Awesome. Yeah. And what about actually at your meetup? Like, what are the what's the makeup like? Like for me, it's the same thing. Like, uh, you know, guys, girls, uh, like all different socioeconomic backgrounds and like and ages and people who are just who like I have uh, you know, some members who are like they're accountants or they're like music composers or they're like directors or cinematographers and they're all coming to learn programming because they they want to change careers and they love it. Are you finding that too in your meetup? Yeah, yeah. We definitely, um, we have some students that, you know, they're, maybe they don't have a class in Swift and they want to learn. Um, but we also have people that are looking to, to change careers. And so I think uh, someone was in marketing and just decided they were done and wanted to get into to programming. So they started coming to my meetup and uh, they're getting some good progress on their app. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Super cool. All right. So, uh Last but not least, uh, first off, where can people contact you online? Yeah, I'd say Twitter's the best place. I'm at mdiasdev. Cool. And uh, <laughs> very, very last, 
one piece of advice for people learning Swift? Go. I would say don't give up. Um, you're going to struggle. Uh, I struggle every day, and I've been doing it for four years. But as long as you don't give up, it'll be fun, and you'll get through it. Nice. Yeah. Any any sort of tips on like how to how to like notice that you're in that and shake yourself out of it and like and to like get motivated to not give up? Um, I think if you can explain it to yourself in like two sentences, but you just cannot solve the problem, it's just time to get up, walk around a bit, maybe do a little Googling and then come back at it with some fresh eyes. Yeah, totally. All right. All right, Matt, thank you so much thank for you. coming on the show, sharing your story with us. Uh, you know, you started programming um, in, it sounded like high school, I think, but you weren't like super into it. Uh, and then, you know, you're in college and you fail your first chemistry class or something like that. Yeah. And you're just like bummed out and you don't know what to do. Luckily, you have um, people around you, your mom and your your dean or your professor and uh, they sort of they push you towards um, towards programming. You you had done like this programming you know, website for your dad, and kind of remembered you enjoyed it, and so you started doing programming and yeah, working at Staples for six years, um, doing you know, three of that as a programmer, and just uh, finding that you were up for the next challenge, and you decided to look for it, and you found it at Zipcar, and um, you know. You started at Zipcar, I think you said like three years ago. Two years, and, yeah. Uh, oh, two years, okay. And so, you know, and you went, I think it was like maybe four years or something of of like iOS experience. You're already like a technical lead. Is like really inspiring, um, I think, to, to, to like, even, you know, I look at that and I'm like, wow, like I could, you know, get to that yeah. point. Yeah, I, I mean, soon. anyone can do it. You just need to, to put in the time to learn. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then just creating Learn Swift Boston. Uh, we had a conversation a year ago and you just went for it. And it sounds like you're having a really good time and you're helping people and, um, you know, you guys are helping each other. And it sounds like even a few people, their lives have already changed um, in a very concrete way for the better. A few people got hired. Um, and yeah, so thank you for doing that, you know, making that, creating that space for people to come together. And um, I, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing that story. And I just I look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, man, this was great. Thanks for having me. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time. Go swiftly, my friends.